1: Money starts right now live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly and Guy Adami. Check out shares of Micron. That stock is volatile after reporting earnings moments ago. That conference call is underway. We'll bring you all the latest details. Plus, top strategist Tony Dwyer says almost nothing will bring this rally to a screeching halt. He will explain why he is so bullish as stocks reach for all-time highs. But, we start off with the market. Stocks sinking as the Federal Reserve saying that rate hikes are off the table for the rest of the year after a bit of whiplash. The Dow ultimately ending the day down nearly 150 points. Take a look at some of the big movers. This is what really what we want to focus on. The dollar got crushed. Choose Five spread taking a dive. Check out uh, also some of these sectors here. Tech stocks is a real bright spot. Then financials, the big losers, down at more than 2%. So it's kind of like a game of choose your own adventure. Oh, love Let's games. look at these charts. And mm-hmm. tell us what they are telling us about the markets, about the Fed decision, what the Fed is saying about the markets.
2: So this is a new game. These are, yeah, like, these
1: By the are way, like your tea it's leaves. Like a multiple choice. These are like your tea leaves. <laughs> Read them. Interpret them as you will. Guy <laughs> Dami, I allow I you like to adventure. I, I love, love that. that. It's yes.
3: exciting.
2: 12 years in, we a, guy like a you. new adventure yeah. reading tea leaves. I'm going to go. I'm going to yeah. skate in my lane. You know, before okay. this whole fast money thing, I actually had a real job, and I used to trade commodities, so I say, and I look at what's going on here, and I say, wait a second, you know, the Fed is going to effectively torch the U.S. dollar, they're going to continue, rates will continue to go down, the dollar's going to continue to sell off central banks will probably continue to buy gold i think the market probably stabilizes here what works newmont mining so i'll go right to the gold hmm. miners and say in this environment with the fed just said for the foreseeable future i think gold's going to get that second bit of the year and i think that's going to take off
4: hmm. i love i love the gold trade but when i i mean obviously you see a lower dollar gonna be good for multinationals A a lower yields are going to be good, should be good for stocks. What I thought was really interesting today is the market went right back to the old playbook. If you looked at what happened to triple Qs versus the S&P 500, you really saw an outpacing in performance today, which tells me the market is saying you got to buy growth. You've got to buy FANG and all those stocks where you're getting this idiosyncratic growth because globally we're not getting. So you have that chart there. You can see right when the Fed announced what they were doing, very dovish, Boom, all of a sudden NASDAQ takes
1: off versus S&P 500. I mean, this has really been the playbook for a lot of the bull market run, right? No doubt about it. Feds on the sidelines. Easy money. Go ahead. Buy growth.
3: And and the Fed gave you easier money today, to be clear. I I think we I I didn't expect we could take another pull off of this same uh, trade, if I may. And and we actually did. In fact, the Fed got more dovish today. So we talked about those charts. And another chart I would probably look at would be the U.S. leveraged loan index or the high yield charts or credit spreads, which continue to tighten away, which is uh, that on top of equity conditions mean actually financial conditions are getting looser and looser, which is great. Um, what's now back to August of 2018 levels? Emerging markets. They continue. They broke actually through what had been resistance around 43.50 on the, the EEM, if that's how you're tracking it. Um, that's, I think that's how you trade it. I also agree in the commodity space, as I said yesterday, I, look, we have policy that's giving you one thing, but ultimately I would tell you, uh, and so the, the bond market, which 255 and the 10-year tells you one thing, I would tell you we have reflation in commodity and energy prices. Guy talked about gold.
1: Keena Jerrion, what yeah. is your adventure tonight? You know, you know I always love him. Uh,
5: well, what I'm looking for is growth, but also if they've got the fundamental side of it on top of that, then it's everything you're looking for, right? And I think basically so many of the tech names really fall into that category, along, along with some of the semiconductors and the rest of it. I think when you look a lot of, there's, there are opportunities out there, whether it's an Intel, I think there are names out there that I think can actually fight through a lot of what we're hearing on the outside. And if there's any relief in the trade wars, then all of a sudden I think you're really off to the races with some of these names. But I think the other thing is energy's really been on this great run, right? I mean, oil's been pushing towards 60 and if you go across and look at some of these equities right now, they're absolutely on fire. There's some great movement out there, whether it's ExxonMobil. I, I just took a look right before we went on. I've got 10 different positions in energy right now out of a probably Call it sixty positions. Ten of them are in energy, which is a pretty big overweighting. But I like all of them, and I have no reason to get rid of any of them.
1: What kind of energy? I mean, if you were to everything under the sun, oh, okay. I literally have
5: everything from pipelines to the big conglomerates. I mean, the Exxon Mobil's of the world, and then I've got a lot of the small
4: beta names that I think, if we get a run, if we break through sixty, I think they take off. Yeah, so you look at some of the stuff. Probably the beta names you're talking about, like a rig, yeah, uh, offshore rig. That thing has been ripping. Miracle. Now, the only thing I will say, just a word of caution out here. It's possible the Fed made another mistake today. Wait, if they what? Weakened. yes, it's Record possible. Crash. What are you talking yes. about? Record so let's crash. let's think about it this way: we get a weak dollar. We've already got strong oil. What happens if the weak dollar starts to light a fire under that oil trade, and all of a sudden we got eighty-dollar oil? That's no longer a tax cut to people. That's a tax on people. Brian, so ever- I'd say it's just
3: I'd be worried about that a bit i think that's fair and i think it's something that the the white house will pay attention to but but i don't think we've seen energy prices be uh, a stimulus on the way down i don't think they've really been proven for the consumer to be a headwind on the way up um, but but i what i hear you guys saying though is that the energy trade which badly lagged with heavy short interest with very little conviction that these companies are run differently i think they're run differently and, and i think the big P names are one thing but i i would go into oil services here because they've been absolutely bludgeoned and they have not kept pace with this rally
1: back how about financials you know that was a very curious yep. intraday chart on yes. financials as markets reach for session highs financials reach for session lows guy we had a further inversion Boom. of the of the yield curve today and we got confirmation from the fed that economic growth wasn't going to be as good they downgraded their outlook for the economy so what do what do financials have going for them at this my, point? My, you know the only thing in my opinion the real thing they have for them is they have
2: pristine balance sheets and they're well capitalized now That's great, but I don't think it necessarily gives you the multiple they probably deserve or had maybe even a couple weeks ago. Pete and I were talking before, Goldman Sachs has had a tremendous run off the lows we saw four or five months ago, but I think that's gotten a bit ahead of itself as well. So for a lot of these banks, I think they should be trading around tangible books. So maybe a couple of them got ahead of themselves, number one. Number two, if I had known... I mean. Look at that outfit on Tim. C. All so it's that's a missing there. Fine
3: looking is a outfit. Is. First day of spring, people. I mean, right. you're not going to vest up. In a monocle, yeah. a pocket watch, and <laughs> a
1: monocle, <laughs> and maybe a visor to count his bills. <laughs> I
3: mean, look, that would be a great look. It's clear, and I, all I can do is try to come back with that tomorrow. Guys. thank you,
1: Pete. On financials, you've been bullish. Well, so what I, do you and i now? agree with guys. As a matter of fact, I bought
5: some calls today in Bank of America. I saw some paper out there. Obviously, they're not working great right now because of what happened with the Fed later in the day. We saw how the financials Tipped over, But I still think if you look back over the last week, two weeks, and you take a look at Goldman Sachs, got over 200, got all the way up over 205 yesterday, and then you look at J.P. Morgan on the move up to 107, 108, moving to the upside, I think there are reasons why the financials, when you look at the pristine balance sheets, when you look at some of the margin and some of the cost controls that they've got, there are reasons why I think they've gotten too cheap, and I think that, I don't know that they take off, because we've been waiting for that for three years, it's like waiting for Godot, but I think at some point in time we start to
3: move to the upside. I bet so, Godot wore a bit by the way. I mean, how do we know? if, if he, he ever least. showed up? Yeah. Would we, know? Uh, we never, never
6: seen it. It's <laughs> pure speculation. <laughs> I'm waiting.
4: I'm waiting.
3: Here, here's, here's what I also think. Um, if, if you think about banks, you think about what's different about banks even now versus two or three years ago is that banks uh, as, as, a, as a sector are actually paying pretty decent dividends. And at this point, if you think about the balance sheet, you think about the valuations which, you know, we talk about trough balan- uh, valuations and an S&P a 10-year, which is at 254 uh, with an earnings yield on the S&P of 2.1, but financials with about At 2% earnings yield. Um, That's kind of impressive. So I I don't think you run out of banks. I'm not surprised we saw this move today. Banks had outperformed the S&P and outperformed the
4: market for the last week. Why should you be surprised by today's move? I'm disappointed in the banks today. I mean, you know, it was my final trade last night to buy the banks (laughs) into the Fed. So R-O-N-G as Guy would say. But what I was betting on was a yield curve steepening. And the Fed gave you a bit of a hint that they might actually, they're not going to, they don't want the curve to artificially invert, right? And so they're going to probably do some things that are going to cause that curve to steepen, but not today. And that was the disappointing part, and that's why you have to reevaluate the financial, uh, financial trade. It's probably a second half of the year trade.
1: You know what's interesting? I have many things, Melissa. Mm. A lot of things in this world are interesting, <laughs> but when it comes to the Fed discussion mm-hmm. in the markets, yesterday we were focused on FedEx, yes. right? And, and the signal it sent about global economic growth and the slowdown that could be materializing there, or that is materializing there. Um, what the Fed said was basically confirmation of, of maybe some of uh, some fears on Wall Street about growth in general. Why isn 't that all bad news?
2: it's fascinating you say that. I think it should be bad news, but I think people look to the Fed and they say, "You know what the Fed has our back. Bad news is good news. But to, today for the first time now, we talked about this last night. Could the Fed be too dovish, and could that then make the market sell off Now again, I said to Pete earlier, 24 hours is not a day make. But you know, six months ago, these same Fed conversations, mm-hmm. the Dow goes up two fifty, three hundred. Today we close down a hundred. So maybe the worm has turned just a bit.
1: Or the Fed gets too dovish, we see uh, the old trades back on, Fang stocks go higher, yeah, I think, you huh. know, industrials go higher, whatever, and then the Fed comes back into play. And it well, becomes a risk again.
3: Look. Um, let's be clear again how extraordinary today was. We, we went to zero rate hikes uh, in 2019. We went to one in 2020, maybe somewhere out there in the far, in, you know. Um, we talked about the balance sheet. We also said we're going to get that out of the way in a hurry. So um, this is a Fed that right now really could surprise people if they even showed a tinge of hawkishness. Um, and I think the U.S. dollar is the ultimate example of that. It is now on, at the risk of breaking the 200-day. Yeah. And remember, Fed differentials relative to other central banks is really what's been driving the dollar's movement at at this point, the, the Fed has come back uh, in line with the ECB and the BOJ. All
1: right. Our next guest says there is almost nothing that can stop wow. this rally. And he new highs are coming. That's the kiss of death. of death. I did not say Kiss that. of death, Tony. Tony Dwyer is here, Chief market strategist at Cane Ingenuity. The only thing
7: I know is characterize that if your bullishness Tim's gla- had glasses like this, Pass I think he would be the fast money Pass superhero called the best. Um,
1: so to and, then 20, char- characterize your bullishness. If you'
7: say that you're I think that we're going. in like a 1995 scenario, so, so if we ever Goldie had locks, a time where really. growth that's like slowed the perfect- so dramatically that the Fed went from a tightening bias and within six months eased, yeah, 1995 the market was up 20% by the time they did that in mid-1995, GDP growth in the U.S. was 0.5% per quarter for the first two quarters, annualized growth, so you were almost in a recession. And everybody was saying the market was ahead of itself. I, I know this because I went back and I microfished Barron's and Business Weeks. Microfiche. Wow, that's an old term. People if people are the millennial, don't know it a biotech, it's a library <laughs> Micro- tool. <laughs> right? so, when, you, when you look, I did, and I, I, I read it. Everybody thought that the Fed had gone bonkers by tightening too much in 94, and within six months, they eased. The market kept going higher, even with that slow economic growth. And by the way, Clinton was... Fighting off a presidential special counsel, Um, Janet Reno had appointed Ken Starr to investigate the Whitewater, Paula Jones was suing him, and he threatened Japan, the number two largest, world's largest economy, with a 100% tariff on their top 13 cars. Does any of this sound familiar? So that is our playbook. In addition, you have what we call the breath thrust indicator which the, the reason that we had changed our retest call early in the year was you had such a powerful move in stocks. As a matter of fact, there was one time where you had 92% of stocks above the 50-day moving average. When we look back at when that's happened, it happened on February 15th, your maximum median drawdown, in other words, how much do you lose in the first month? Obviously, you're overbought. How much did you lose? 1.17%. How much did we lose this time? 1.1% two weeks ago. And your me- and then your median gains six and twelve months later are nine and sixteen percent respectively.
4: So Tony, there's a great question in the question and answer today about could this be nineteen ninety-eight? You gave out ninety-four, ninety-five, but what if the Fed East, like they did in 98, and we are just blowing a massive bubble here, and it's going to end as badly as the Internet crash.
7: Because they eased in in 98 when um, you had almost a failure of long-term capital and you blew up the bond market. Again, it was another situation where the Feds actually were bailing out the banks. They weren't easing because of economic activity. They were easing because of liquidity and the whole thing was going to zero very quickly because of the leverage in long-term capital. Very different than 1995 where you eased because economic activity was so poor. and You actually got, imagine this, in the next three months we get at least one negative payroll number. I'll bet you we get a negative payroll number in the next three months. How could you ever buy stocks up 15 or 20% with a negative payroll number, near recession growth, a special counsel on the prosecutor, or prosecutor on the president? Well, that's what was the right thing to do. The Fed is the driver of this game. It is always the driver of the game. And rather than... I don't like to evaluate whether they're good or bad. I'm not a politician. The dude's making the money and gals making the money told you they're going to keep doing it. That's my analysis for the day. I don't, I'm not that bright.
2: (laughs) Right? Nor am I. So you've said the, you know, you said the stopwatch starts once the yield curve sort of flattens. Correct. And you got about 16 months. or Give or take. Stopwatch seems to be going now, but does the world move a lot faster now, or is it it's still the 16-18 month of decent returns in the stock market? Well, let's,
7: let's think about what that does. It shuts down lending, shuts down credit, so the, the market starts to kind of slow down in credit. It takes a little bit of time. If you no longer have access to the public credit markets, what are you going to do? You're going to draw your bank lines. So you still have money availability. That's why it works with a lag. It takes some time to work through the system. So the clock starts to count down and it's 21% upside in S&P to peak median over 18 and a half months. What I love to do is ask the people that are on the other side of the trade, because I've been as Armageddon bearish as I am bullish before. Okay, what would change your view? If you're bearish, what would change your view? I know exactly what would change my view. Credit shuts down. If I come on this show a year from now after the curve is inverted on an initial day, which it's not yet done, and I tell you, oh, yeah, everything's great, it's, not, it's different, then don't have me back. Right? At the end of the day, when credit shuts down, it's a levered system and a levered economy. We're, we're still in the bubble-building side of credit. Some of the credit deals that happened this week are bananas. You know, C paper, so five times oversubscribed.
3: So, so, Tony, it sounds to me like not only are you consistent with where you've been, and good for you on that, so does that mean that the same trades are going to work, too, so the rest of the world, does it continue to outperform? Because let's look outside of the use for a second, because, you know, really, you've, you've taken the pressure off in the form of the Fed, the dollar, uh, higher interest rates, yeah. and, and those are markets that have been outperforming. Germany went through the 200-day for the first time, and God knows when. Um, is that the trade you like?
7: Tim, I'm glad you asked that question, because I wanted to bring this up. The emerging economies, the commodity plays, the weaker dollar plays. Do you ever notice that when there's a rate of change, it's only a negative? It's only when growth is great, but it's turning over and everybody talks about it. How about when the rate of change is positive? The global growth rate of change on many indicators like the OECD leading index sequentially, um, the Citigroup economic surprise indices in Europe, you're starting to see some of these things go, which means you do get that trade to me. You get the cyclical trade that works. Again, what shuts that down is when the credit market um, shuts down. And just interesting on the financials, I think it's really important to remember, they went parabolic in November, December, December, January last year. Not so much now.
1: Tony, great to see you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me, man. Tony Dwyer. Thanks, guys pete nadarian and i go to you first what do you think yeah. of what tony said uh, i tend
5: to lean towards what tony's talking about and i think there are different reasons why i think we see different areas of the marketplace that actually can make, bring us to the upside doesn't mean i don't see some sell offs i absolutely do we've made an incredible run in a very short period of time but i see some industrials out there that look very tasty right now because of the fact that when i look and i see stuff trading single digits and, and maybe being punished for the wrong reasons and have plenty of upside they've been cut down i think there's opportunities give
1: me not. one name before we go to break
5: Uh, One name. Well, I I think of all the names out there, if if I'm going to stick with industrials, I still think caterpillars too cheap.
1: Coming up, as we mentioned, Big Tech, the big winner today. Check out the FANG stocks all jumping. One technician thinks this is just the beginning of a bigger breakout. We've got the details. Plus, check out shares of Micron jumping about 2% after hours. We'll tell you what the CEO is telling Wall Street about this quarter. Plus, oil surging to its highest levels of the year. Pete here says there is one stock you should be buying to catch the energy rally. He'll give us his fast pitch. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more fast money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on chipmaker Micron. The stock's up about 3% at the highs of the after hour session. Seema Modi's back at headquarters where the conference call is wrapping up. Seema.
8: Hey, Melissa. Micron jumping higher despite weak revenue guidance. CEO Sanjay Malhotra on the conference call acknowledged the short-term challenges the company is facing but remained optimistic about longer-term growth, specifically in the auto sector, referencing the adoption of autonomous vehicles over the next decade and 5G reigniting smartphone unit sales in 2020. Malothra did cite the challenging macroeconomic environment. Here's what he said.
3: We believe macroeconomic uncertainty is also contributing to hesitation in buying behavior at some
9: customers.
8: However, as we discussed on our last earnings
3: call, we still expect DRAM bid shipments to begin increasing in our fiscal Q3 with demand growth strengthening in the second half of calendar 2019, as most customer inventories are likely to normalize by mid-year.
8: Shares of Micron have had a strong year, up over 30% in 2019, outperforming most of its peers in the semiconductor index. Melissa, back to you.
1: Thanks, Sema Sema Modi at headquarters. Guy Donnie, what's your yes. on my MU? You know, it's
2: funny. If you told me last night, if you told me this, this is what they're going to say. They're going to say revenue down 18% sequentially for NAND pricing, revenue down 30% sequentially for DRAM. Margins are light. The guide for the fourth quarter, for the guide for the third quarter is 4.8 billion. It was 5.2 billion. They guided down EP. If you told me all those things, I'd say the stock's going to be down 5%. And here's the stock up three percent. So I don't know what to make of this. I guess they're buying into some of the 5G commentary that he made. But if you just look at the numbers and the guidance, to me, this is a stock that should be lower, not higher. Well,
3: I, I just think that the bar is so low. The DRAM crash is so obvious that we're not even possibly at the bottom. In fact, if you listen to a lot of the analysts out there, they say second half of the year uh, they get 85 percent of their operating profit from DRAM. So, so you know, so Micron, which is absurdly cheap on a trailing basis, it's 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 probably 3.8 times trailing 12 months, um, is still a stock that. Could go lower. Look, it's up 35% off the bottom. A lot of this was short covering. I think some of that is even. the the reaction you got on that. But a few
4: positive things for the call was the fact that they're shutting down a bit of capacity, right? So now there's going to be inventory reductions out there. NVIDIA came out and said they're working through some of their inventory that's bloated out there. CEO here is saying maybe second half of the year you're going to work through some of that inventory. So I think the market's kind of looking through this. Obviously, you can see what DRAM prices have done prior to the earnings call, and they're saying, wait a second, at some point in time, we've worked through all the inventory glut, and this is going to start to turn around.
1: Is this truly a good read through to the rest of the sector, in that it is so leveraged to one commodity part of the sector, which is obviously which is DRAM. I mean, especially when you take a look at the sector, because well, so it's best quarter, right? In yep. two years.
5: Yep. And but, but if you look across that whole sector, and we talked about the financials earlier, and we talked about balance sheets and where they're trading and some of that, these fall into the similar category, right? I think what's happening here is this is a stock that was $64 last May. And here we are trading at 40. It hit a low, I think, of 32. But when, you, when they gave the delivery and Guy outlined it very well, I think what they were really saying is, hey, look, th- this is terrible, but it's not as bad as we even thought. We thought it'd be even worse. And so I think that's part of it as well, Mel. I mean, just yesterday they were buying calls. They were buying upside in Micron, just mm-hmm. looking for this. Calls that expire Friday. So this was literally just call buying just based upon the idea that, hey, these guys are going to go higher, almost regardless of what, the, what is said on the earnings call because of where the stock is trading right now. And you talked about the, where it's trading wise.
1: All right. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in Business Worldwide. Here's what else is coming
4: up on Fast. Orange Mocha Frappuccino! Grab that benti cup because shares of Starbucks are heating up. The stock is trading at all-time highs. And we'll tell you why one trader says he's not sure he'll ever sell this stock. Plus, Pete Najarian is stepping up to the plate. As oil jumps to its highest level of the year, he says it could fuel a major rally in one stock. He'll give us the name and the trade. There's much more Fast Money right after this.
8: What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash
6: findyourrich. Edward Jones,
8: member SIPC.
6: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes,
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Big tech is on notice. First, Facebook making some major changes to the way it delivers advertisements to users. as part of a settlement with advocacy groups. It will remove age, gender, and zip codes, which would eliminate micro-targeting for certain businesses. Loop Ventures' Gene Munster was on Squawk Box earlier today discussing why the shift will alter the platform's business model.
2: The government weighs
5: in in terms of how data can be used for selecting. This news today from Facebook is a big deal because what advertisers love about Facebook is two things, reach, it still is unprecedented, and separately is the ability to target that reach. And if that gets uh, somehow diluted, uh, that potentially could weigh on the profitability of some of these companies.
1: This on the same day Google gets slapped with its third antitrust fine by the EU to the tune of $1.7 billion. J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon also speaking on the network today, saying that when it comes to big tech, they haven't even seen the full Monty yet in terms Ooh, of congr- congressional that's hearings. That's visual. And... <laughs> legislation. Is that something bad? Anyway, he means that they've seen it's only the tip of the iceberg, all right? (laughs) Let's just shift metaphors here. Could be. Um, It is worth noting that all the Fang names, though, close higher today, outperforming the broader markets, as it looks like even the increased regulation risk couldn't stop investors diving for growth. But should investors really be concerned about this overhang, BK?
4: So I don't think so yet. A lot of the sell-off in these names in 2018 was anticipation that there's going to be these problems, that there's going to be the so-called full Monty coming out, and you know you, might, you may want to talk, you may want to take that actually from Jamie Dimon because the financial industry went through something very similar after the crisis, right? So he's coming from a place of experience. I understand that. Facebook of all those names is the first one to really start making some changes. Their new privacy push, they're going to have go to a messaging system, they might even have some kind of a Facebook coin. That to me is the most interesting. They're taking a proactive stance and if you look at the way Facebook traded today, bounced right off support, closed at the high of the day, that's the one I like in this sector.
2: You know, what, you, you can't go to Tower Records anymore, Blockbuster, but you can go to Amazon and actually buy that movie It was about steel workers that were out of work. But I digress. You would enjoy the movie, though, but where am I going with this? Mm. Amazon has traded remarkably well, and you look today on a day that FedEx got taken out to the woodshed, Amazon's up big, means Amazon's probably eaten everybody's lunch, which means it probably makes a run to its all-time high before they report earnings, I believe, on April 24th.
3: Well, I mean, Monty for Google and Facebook is is GDPR in Europe, and the Europeans are so far ahead of us. Um, so if anyone's getting the full something, that is probably what's going to happen. Meanwhile, though, if you look at what's been trading, at least in... Some part of the fang, Google for sure, last month has outperformed triple Qs or their entire sector by almost 6%. If you actually look at what sold off hardest, it was a bunch of these names. But they do appear to be riding back into the leadership, especially in a lower growth environment. What do you want to own? Google is growing north of 20% at a multiple of 20 times.
1: By the way, Full Monty, according to the Dictionary (laughs) Online, says the full amount expected, desired, or possible just FYI.
3: So, Guy, where were you going with this Anyway, by the way? Really, so the I 19- to the 1997 movie, it was a perfectly acceptable
1: term. Uh, Our next guest says there's two names in the FANG trade that are heading for a bigger breakout. Let's go off the chart to Todd Gordon of TradingAnalysis.com. Todd, please take it away.
0: (laughs) Sure. Hey, Melissa. Uh, So we've certainly seen a uh, relative shift into technology. We'll start off with the lower part of the the chart first. So this is NDX, that NASDAQ 100, 100 biggest tech stocks in the land relative to the S&P. You're seeing the NDX outperform. So there's your empirical evidence that, in fact, tech, we're rotating back in. Now. So far, since that September high, we've been in correction mode. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story based on Fibonacci here. And if we could go back to that NASDAQ if possible, um, that would be great. But that's okay. Um, If not, basically what's happened is we've hit the last retracement. Okay, if we are not, there we go. Thanks, guys. This last retracement right here is not the 61%. Those of you who are are used to retracements might have been used to the 61.8. Here's a little math tip, technical analysis, geeky stuff. If you square root that, that puts you at the retracement of last resort, 78.6. If you don't hold that, there is a very strong implication to break to new highs. In fact, what you would do is say old highs, are expected then what you'd expect to do is go up to the one two seven two more geeky math stuff bk i know you're into fib please back me up when the guy's hammering me on the desk (laughs) after this if you take the square root of your Fibonacci multiple, 1.618, it puts you right there. That right there is 8,200 in the NASDAQ. All that together means we break this line, you go to 8,200. That's the expected relationship, and it's pretty reliable. When that happens, could be this year, it could be next year, but that's the upside target. So the stocks that I'm looking at here, we're seeing the rotation back in Amazon beautiful shelf here we're trying to break this inverse head and shoulders i don't have the trade on i'm going to try to chase as probably many people are as we get up to the old highs again amazon into the nasdaq we're showing some relative strength just recently amazon's starting to come on the other one no surprise is netflix again i don't have this trade on i want to get it it looks like we are well contained in a nice parallel channel here We should be able to go up and test this upper level here. When you're on a log scale over here, that changes the upside targets. That actually gives you a target of around 600. Again, that doesn't need to be this year. It could be next year, but that's where resistance comes in. I'll be looking to add, same thing, Netflix into the the NASDAQ QQQ. Certainly a lot of relative strength here. So we're seeing a rotation back into tech, and these guys, I think, are going to play the catch-up trade higher here.
1: All right, Todd Gordon at TradingAnalysis.com with some uh, mad Fibonacci skills there. Thanks, Todd. Um, you know what's interesting about the two names that Todd had highlighted? Mm. They are ones that one could argue are more insulated from these regulatory risks. Sure. Tim.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and part of Netflix valuation is, is defended by um, their, you know, they were a conduit, they have an amazing leadership advantage over the peers. Um, they also have a lot of your data, by the way, so I, I think that they could be in a position where at some point people will scrutinize this. To me, the issue on Netflix is competition and valuation, not are they executing, because they are.
5: They are executing, I think the competition is coming. We all know that. I'm obviously, Apple and everybody else is going to come for them like we expect, but I still think that their moat is still very, very difficult for people to try to get across, and because of that, I pitched this stock here not that long ago. Power pitch. Power pitch this stock, and a Power lot of people pitch. voted against right. me, but I'll tell you what, Mel, it's been one of my favorite trades I've had on, and I continue to have it on, and I'm still looking at other names in the in that sector where it's names that I don't really necessarily kick my arms around when I look at valuations, but if I can buy those stocks and I can buy un, or sell incredible volatility against them, Boeing's one of those names where I'm looking for some of the opportunity like that, makes it a lot easier. This is a name where literally, I think over the last five months since I've owned it, we've collected over $100 in premium. I mean, so that gives you a price entry point that's incredible versus where you actually bought
4: that stock. And I continue to think that that's the perfect way to play Netflix. Well, Todd mentioned a dead Italian mathematician. I'm as big a fan as that as anybody. I would use them, though, as more of a roadmap, right? A sign along the road. Here's a point where you might get some weakness if you want to take a little bit off, you want to sell some calls against it, something like that. When it comes to the tech trade, today told you everything you need to, tr- to say. That chart that Todd showed of tech outperforming the S&P 500, you saw it over the last couple months, you saw it today, you buy growth in this market.
1: Everything is awesome again. Yeah, we're we here. Sarah and Everything is or awesome again. Teigen and Sarah, or
2: whoever there. She's Would you? To, uh, what's his name? Well, John. Lennon. If you're not going to yeah. give me
1: a trade, then I'm going to go break.
2: Do you think when Fibonacci was making these numbers up in 1220 or so, <laughs> he, he said, "You know those cats on Fast Money"? Did you ever? Did you ever
1: ask him that? <laughs> Actually, he's <laughs> a, <laughs> I'm that's going an to old break. Joke, that's, that's an old joke. Still ahead, it, sure it is a sell. Starbucks rally, the coffee giant surging to all-time highs of 20% from the December lows. We'll tell you what has investors so excited about the stock plus. Pete here has made his way over to the plasma. He is feeling that good energy with oil on the rise. He'll tell us the one stock he's buying to catch that move. What is that? Much more fast money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The oil run continues, topping 60 bucks a barrel for the first time since November. Crude rallying more than 30% this year alone, and Pete says there is one energy stock that is riding the wave. He's over at the Plasma with the Fast Pitch. Hey, Pete.
5: Hey, how are you, Mel? So this is, this is going to be a lot of fun because this is a name I like a lot. I've owned it since February of last year, and it's Kinder Morgan. Here's some of the interesting parts about this. Richard Kinder, he's the founder, obviously, and he's still the chairman, but he's got a CEO in place who's doing an unbelievable job. But Richard Kinder, how about the commitment that he has to his own company? He not only already owned incredible size in terms of how much shares he owned, but in the last, since November, September rather, he's bought another 4 billion shares into this, or 4 million shares in the stock. very aggressively positioning himself you got to like the fact that he's willing to put his money there between 17 and a half and about 18 and a half is where he bought the majority of that and that's all him he's committed very much like Jamie Dimon. very much like Steve Wynn was back to their stocks it's just amazing and I love seeing something like that I think this the fact that they are the largest oil and gas pipelines that's amazing and and what the all the other areas that they've got they got the terminals down south they've got all the different positions along the way as well as LNG there's a lot a lot of things going on in the right way that I think positions them going forward, not just up to now, but going forward, because the stock hit a 52-week high today. The interesting thing is this dividend. Now, if you go back, let me just show you the chart. If you go back to 2015, this is a company that, because they had to make sure that they had everything in place, they actually cut the dividend. They were very uncomfortable. We all know why. We saw gas prices and where they were. But they cut the dividend. This stock dropped dramatically here, and then over the last couple of years after that cut, Now that's actually doubled. So it went from 50 cents, now it's gone to a dollar. It's almost recovering back to where they were and where they were paying the dividend before. I think this is a very creative company, and I think Richard Kinder is the reason why, probably the biggest reason why, I own this stock and I will continue to own this stock.
2: Pedro, just to play devil's advocate, because that's what we do on this show, Fast Money. You know know as well as anyone, the stock's going from basically 15 to 20 and change in the course of a month and a half, two months. Does that concern you at all?
5: It doesn't concern me because if you go back and you look at that chart, this was a stock that was trading in the 40s, Guy. I think this stock has potential to not maybe get back to those levels unless we see the rest of the environment change. But I certainly think that we could see it back towards the 30s. So it has made a move in the last year, but I think that move actually can extend a lot higher than it is right now.
1: Anybody else have a question or are going to vote? Oh, All
3: right, enough. let's vote. All
6: right, cool. Tam. Let's vote.
3: Let's vote, Pete. You know, I gotta tell you, man. I'm, this is this was tough for me. Uh, I'm a seller. Um, I like the energy space. I certainly agree. Everything you just said is why this company is trading at the top of the range and a 30 times multiple. I think there's other places to go in the space, but.
4: It's a reluctant sell. It's all good.
1: I feel Tony Braxton in the air. BK, uh, what do you say?
4: Well, you know, I've liked oil a bit, and I like what Pete's saying. I got a high dividend in a high growth area now, so I crossed out KMI. Nope, nope, it's a KM buy. Oh, oh hey now! Wow,
3: B. Wow, Nifty Russell's doing better did. than that. See what
4: I did there,
2: Mel? I said bonsai because Pete. No, 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 that means oh. buy. That's not a bad trade. Name. That means <laughs> long. Wait, really? Bonsai. It's a bonsai pipeline. And you right. notice we brought in this oh. large piece of pipe oh. earlier in the show. I thought that
1: referred to a suicide oh,
2: mission. wow. No, 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 no. no I'm not clear, no, guys. No, no, no. Let's That's be no. clear. Kamikaze. This is okay. bonsai, the pipeline where people surf in the Philippines. Right. The more you know. The more you know. Where's the
1: rainbow? All right. The desk has spoken. It is your turn at home. Are you buying Pete's pitch for Kinder Morgan? Vote now. There's a Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll reveal the results later in the show. It's close, Pete. Looks close right now. (laughs) Uh, Plus, shares of Starbucks seeing green going green as the company continues to use less plastic. Can the coffee giant continue to percolate gains? We'll hear the latest from their shareholder meeting today. Much more fast, straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Starbucks jolting higher, Ooh. now up more than 40% off its 52-week low. The stock hit a fresh all-time high today during a shareholder meeting as the company t- continues to go green, use less plastic, also an accelerated stock buyback program. Courtney Reagan joins us with all the details. Court.
8: Hi, Melissa. So today Starbucks did hold its largest shareholder meeting to date, about 4,000 people in attendance at the Wamu Theater in Seattle, Washington. Now, shares were flat most of the session. You saw a move higher, but that coincided with the market on the Federal a reserve meeting during the course of the shareholder meeting as well. The coffee giant didn't update any financial forecasts, other than an accelerated two billion dollar share repurchase program to be completed by June. But it did announce a one hundred million dollar investment in Valor Siren Ventures. So this is a fund that's intended to invest in technology products or other solutions to improve food or retail. So that would give Starbucks early access to these types of innovations. Now the chief operating officer Rosalind Brewer told shareholders of Starbucks that they plan to modernize the consumer experience through technology product innovation, and even some new store formats. This is the Starbucks reimagined third place, meaning it's not home, it's not work, but the third place, that reference that they've been using since Howard Schultz was there. The modernization will start this summer in New York City. No financial details today given about, though, what that will cost. And lastly, Starbucks gave updates to its programs to hit those sustainability goals. It's going to try some new greener cups and strawless lids, at least in some geographies, adding a feature also on the app to show The Coffee Bean's Journey to Your Exact Cup. Mm. Kind of interesting stuff. Back over to you
1: thanks court courtney reagan it, i don't even know how to react to the journey trace the not, journey of yeah. the bean
3: like I'm not watch sure. it hop on the
8: truck and well, ride down how we yeah. started the show i sure
3: thing we appreciate the journey, journey of the beans. right now with the oh. beans oh, courtney so tied like a, it in
2: nicely she's paying
3: attention the bow
1: it's the bow on the bow on the ribbit okay. yeah, right. so, so. I,
3: I appreciate the comps are up four percent in the last quarter globally and that the u.s actually outperforms and that these guys are continuing to get Prices higher in the U.S. as their, their costs go higher. So uh, as we talked about the company, the, the, the challenges are the fact it's up 30% over the last six months. Uh, also, though, it did nothing for two years. So it's broken out into a new range, a range that I think you can probably pause uh, at 23 times next year. It's not that expensive here. And again, I repeat, this company has been able to raise prices in a, in a world where I don't think a lot of other people can. That's impressive.
2: It's interesting. So I would say the story for Starbucks to me is it's a $90 billion market cap company and they're going to return, I think, close to $25 billion, of which they've already did 14 in buybacks and dividends to their investors. That's the story. That's a significant amount of money. So valuation, they're not that expensive. They're not that cheap either. But if they're going to continue to buy back stock, I think the stock continues to go higher.
5: And the fact they're buying back stock is important to me because that just shows you the commitment, I think, from the company of where they are at these levels. I think the other thing is... Coffee prices go up, they raise prices. Coffee prices go down, they don't touch them. That's a thing of beauty. That's one of the greatest mechanisms I've ever seen, and Starbucks has gotten away with that forever,
4: and it seems as if nobody really cares, but it's been great. I, I mean, we, we chuckle at the sustainability thing, but I actually think it's a brilliant move. Not, yes. just, for, not just for PR purposes, and you say, oh, BK, you went to UVM, you're, you're a crunchy whatever. Go cats, by the way. But anyway, when it comes to <laughs> well, Starbucks and this, there's a whole new sector of investors coming. ESG, environment, social governance, investors. It's a whole new amount of money coming in that potentially represents new buyers for Starbucks if they can get this right.
3: By the way, that's not Wildcats, Mel. That's catamount. Catamounts for oh, first round yeah. of the tournament. Say, yes, we're talking the, other yeah, night tournament we were Day was the Most
1: common mascot it, it was a wildcat. Very well done. This is a catamount. So very different. very well done. I do remember some things you guys no, no, tell me. I know you me. do. And, and by the, the way,
2: not that anybody cares except maybe Brian and myself, but Vermont, the University of, they're yes. a very live dog up against Florida State, right. the first round of the tournament. First round live of the tournament. What does that mean? Is this the basketball thing that's going to happen? dog. Live dog. All right. Look it up.
1: Coming up, another stock trading at all-time highs, Nike. And that company is gearing up for earnings tomorrow. We'll tell you why traders are betting this stock's run isn't over yet. Plus, let's get a check on our Kramer cam. And there's Jim chatting with Sage Therapeutics CEO. Its stock is up a whopping 60% this year. Catch that interview and much more at the top of the hour on that. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more fast. Still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money Shares and Nike having a big run this year, trading its all time highs. Options traders are betting this stock is about to pick up speed. When it reports earnings tomorrow, let's get out to Mike Cohen in San Francisco with the action. Hey, Mike.
2: Hi there. Yes, so Nike saw well over double its average daily call volume today, and the options market's implying a move of about 5.1% for earnings when they report tomorrow. That's about average. Uh, Where we saw most of the activity, though, was in the weekly 93 strike calls. Over 3,000 of those ultimately ended up trading for about a quarter. So buyers of those calls are betting that Nike could trade higher by about 8% by the end of the week. And that's larger than the implied move. You might wonder why they would be looking to do that. One of the reasons could be that out of the last eight quarters, four times Nike has moved more than 7% on earnings. We've seen moves of up to 11%. So even though these are a low probability bet, we can see that the stock has been known to move that much and it may yet again. Pete, what do you think?
5: Low probability bet, but you've just got to like the risk-reward because this is somebody who's absolutely just betting on one thing. What are these earnings going to tell us? Because they're just buying almost no time whatsoever. expires Friday, right? So because of that, this is a very gutsy play, very similar to what we saw yesterday in a couple of the other names that actually reported as well. And they've worked out, and Micron being one of them today.
2: Okay. couple things. Digital transformation, you heard that last quarter, you hear it again. Greater China last quarter was remarkably strong given what's been going on over there. That's a, now, the naysayers will say 27 times forward earnings, the stock is expensive. That's true, but you continue to have margin expansion. They seem to run into business better. So I think Mike Coco, beware, okay. by the way, a great wrestler. Probably going to be right on the upside tomorrow.
3: You own it. I own it, and, and I'm not terribly discouraged by the, the multiple. And there's two things that are going on. One, innovation at Nike, again, at least is 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 acknowledged to be happening, which equals full price, which means pricing power. Also, the, the channel that they control on distribution uh, is clean, and, and I think these guys are well-positioned for 2020.
1: Mike, thank you. Good to see you. We'll see you on Friday. Friday is when, of course, the full show yeah. uh, airs. Options Action, 5.30 nice. p.m. Eastern Time. Up next final trades and the result of the poll.
6: Ooh. Ooh.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got uh, breaking news. Levi's IPO pricing. Let's get to Leslie Picker for the details. Leslie.
9: Hey, Melissa. Levi Strauss pricing its initial public offering at $17 per share. That is above the range. The company had been marketing to investors. A majority of the 37 million shares being sold in this IPO stem from the relatives of Levi Strauss, who founded the denim company but died 116 years ago. The remainder are being issued by the company itself, which plans to use the cash toward CapEx and possibly for acquisitions and strategic investments. At that $17 per share, Levi's offering is about $623 million at a valuation of $6.6 billion. Sources told me earlier today that demand had been better than expected. So-called indications of interest where investors put in non-binding orders for shares are more than 10 times the amount that's being offered in the deal. That gave Levi's executives and bankers confidence it could price that IPO above the range it had been marketing to investors. And I spoke with some of those investors who were optimistic about the company's performance the predictability of its business model once that he saw this deal as a call option on nice growth Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan are leading this deal the shares will be listed on the NYSE under the symbol LEVI Melissa all right,
1: Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker. So above the range, oversubscribed. What, what do you think Yeah, it seems pretty good.
4: You know, it's interesting. They, they're known for making sturdy workfare. That's where work, work clothes, that's work what fair. they got their start in the gold rush. But the women's sector's actually been the big uh, winner here. 38% growth in the women's sec- in sector, both tops and jeans. And so I think this one does well.
1: All right. Um, wow. By the way, he lost on the Twitter poll for his fast pitch. Oh, uh, not We're going to go straight to final trades, though, <laughs> <Pete>. <laughs>
5: Let me tell you something. KMI, that's the one because everybody's
3: against it. Let me tell you, it's going higher. Gideon.
1: Ken.
3: Uh, Starbucks. Look, I, I think this is a name that continues to trudge higher as they talk about. They've carved out their market share. They've carved out pricing power.
4: Stay there. BK. Uh, talking about carving things out, look at GDXJ, gold sector, junior gold miners. Juniors. Juniors. Yep. Yep. Mel, in the Ivy Leagues, Harvard's not there, but Yale
2: will beat LSU. Write Whoa. it down. All right. Lumberjay comes out SL. B. All right, it- that
1: does it for us here on Fast. See you back here happy tomorrow Bye for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Big edition of Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts right now.
6: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.